Hey, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Hi-Fi Hour. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to Bob Robbins. Bob, how are you doing today? Real well. Thanks for having me in. For those of you that don't know who Bob Robbins is, he is an innovator when it comes to master placement of speakers. Now, we're going to get into it a lot deeper than that. That's very surface level. But Bob has truly mastered this art, and I feel that it's not being, uh, I guess, shown enough to people, to audiophiles and to audio enthusiasts and to people just starting out, the real importance of where to put your speakers and how to place them and how to position them to play well with your room. So Bob, uh, how did you get started in hi-fi? Let's, let's start right there. It's way back in 1974, right? Yeah, way back in high school, I had a uh, gymnastics uh, teammate of mine invite me to his house over after practice. Mm -hmm. And he had one of the really cool old Bang & Olufsen turntables. And the aesthetics and the engineering in that product just fascinated me. And it, it got me hooked. And uh, once I got into college, I'd go to stores with my best friend and we'd sit and listen and ask questions and just kind of learn how all that stuff worked and how things are supposed to sound. And after college, I got into retail and started educating my, my mind and my ear for, you know, what's really right and, and what's, what was really wrong with audio. And uh, then uh, quite a few years ago, I was working at Soundings here in Denver. And mm -hmm. the owner was nice enough to send me to Samico, which is based in Berkeley, California. And they used to give trainings to salespeople um, mm -hmm. because they just wanted to, in the master set, because they just wanted to get more people excited about audio. And they wanted to help salespeople sell more product, whether or not it was brought into the country by Sumiko or not. And uh, after I, I heard the effects of that, it, it literally changed my audio life. And I, I made the decision that it needed to be shared with members of the public instead of just people in the audio industry. And that's what brought me to get uh, my website up and running with a real good audio friend of mine. And uh, then I was fortunate enough to do a video at the Rocky Mountain Audio Fest back in 2014. And it's been online since 2015 and uh, been going with it ever since. Uh, how do you feel the, the video was received by people in general? Did, was it kind of like a mixed review type deal where people, uh, was there positive and negative aspects to it? Well, they're both, definitely. You know, I, I gave that at uh, kickoff time on a Sunday in Denver, and it was a home Broncos game. So I was expecting maybe three people to attend, <laughs> and there ended up being over 50 people in the audience. Um, one of them was the owner of Listen Up. Um, my son was nice enough to show up. And uh, for the most part, the people in the audience were very receptive and open-minded to it. But uh, once I posted it online, then the quote unquote trolls started uh, uh, appearing and I uh, got, uh, you know, some some negative comments and people that really questioned how viable what I was talking about was. Um, but, you know, I've rolled with the punches and uh, been doing pretty well with things uh, ever since. Well, tell me a little bit about the process. Um, 
obviously you don't have to give away any trade secrets, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I personally would love to go train uh, with Samiko or even with you uh, to, to learn this, this art form because right. uh, it, it is important. People have to oh, realize, that, you know, uh, for me, it's the end all be all to get the most out of your hi-fi. Well, certain um, speakers are very directional, you know, and and some some are mm-hmm. you know wider than others. But when, when they're directional, you got to know how to how to play them off your room. Can you explain a little bit more of the process that goes into uh, perfecting the the setup? <laughs> well, um, first and foremost, there's a couple of real specific pieces of music that are used. Uh, mm-hmm. One's a very simple. Um, song called The Ballad of the Runaway Horse. It's done by Jennifer Warrens, along with uh, a bass player named Rob Wasserman. So a very specific piece of music. Most audiophiles have a real good idea of where they want to sit. You know, they already have a preferred listening position. And so I base the set off of that. If they're open to moving things around, you can do it that way. Um, ideally, the speakers should be set um, against the long wall of the room instead of the short wall, which goes against a lot of audiophile and a lot of even speaker manufacturers' owners' manuals, because that gives more space for the speakers to breathe. Um, there, there's less early reflections. There's more openness and just the more potential for it for an expansive sound stage. Mm-hmm. And then when you listen, when you play this piece of music. You listen for first for bass when bass really kicks in and when it's tonal but not overly dominant. It bass is really tricky to describe how it should sound right, but and you only do, of course, one speaker at a time. Um, but once the bass is found, then you can move the second speaker in to get a nice, realistically sized center image for the vocalist and then you make minor adjustments to toe in and what's called rake angle which is the tilting back of the speaker until the sound just literally grows it's it's an amazing process my system at home my speakers are barely eight feet apart and i have a realistically scaled and accurately sized soundstage 26 feet wide it just, even all the years that I've been listening to it, it still amazes me every time I fire up my hi-fi. <laughs> it's, it's really fun. And now, that, in the end, is what, is what this hobby should be, is fun. So Exactly. I totally agree. And, uh, you know, I, right. I feel that you know, speaker placement is very, very important for, you know, stereo, uh, two-channel listening. But what about home theater? Because home theater gets a little trickier, doesn't it? Oh, get, it gets a lot trickier, but what's interesting is that the two main front speakers must be optimized to lay down the foundation for a great theater. Mm-hmm. Um, once that is done, then everything else can be literally can be done either by ear manually or, you know, there's a lot of real good self-calibration circuits in home theater preamp processors now that do a very, very good job. Um, back when I did Samico, you know, they didn't have those. And so that they did a theater demo for us that had 
they had a subwoofer for every speaker in the theater and they played a sequence from uh, the color purple and it was mind-boggling how good it was but the two main front speakers are the foundation even for a, a good home theater that's that's so, incredible um yeah and you know you, you do offer two ways of uh, you, you do you do offer this service so people can reach out to you and say hey uh, if, I mean, obviously, if they're in the Denver area or if they want to fly you out, uh, you can come yeah, personally. It's happened both and, ways. You can come personally and, uh, and master set their their speakers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or you, you have a guide, correct? Uh, they, they can purchase online. Yeah, I have a uh, a real concise but detailed setup guide that's available through my website, myspeakersetup.com. And uh, you can, they can just order it using PayPal. And if, they're, if they want to do it themselves, they can. And they can always, always access me, ask me questions uh, via email or by phone if they run into any difficulties. It's a, it's, it's a real simple, straightforward process. But at the same time, it's very tricky. That's why I call it the art of rational speaker placement, because it's very rational. It's very logical when you start doing it, but there's an art to it. You have to educate your ear on what to listen for, what adjustments to make based on what you hear, and how to react to the results of any adjustments that you do make. Now, our mutual friend, Jess over at Soundings, uh, he told me that he, he kind of reiterated what you just said he said it is a simple process but it's very time consuming because they're mm-hmm. very small very small uh, adjustments that must be made um and then can be said, sometimes seemingly completely irrelevant adjustments can make a dramatic change in sound i think that a lot of people uh, are neglecting this very 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 important aspect and uh, I'll be honest, just with my experience at Soundings, mm-hmm. I I went there uh, as we've I, we discussed this actually prior. I went there when they brought in the Magicos, right? And I I heard them before uh, Jess was able to master set them, and then I was like, okay, they're okay, you know, they sound right. all right, you know, they're not <laughs> they're not the greatest thing in the world, but I mean, they right. they look good, you know. Oh, it's um, a magnificent product line. Well, I went in there the second time after he had master set them, and I'm like, these don't sound like the same speakers. Right, done deal. Oh. Yep. I mean, right off the bat, bass was heavier, uh, clarity was better, sound stage mm-hmm. was, was out of control. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it was speakers a, were there were gone. You essentially lost the concept of there there being sound coming out of the speakers. Right. That's right. the coolest it, thing. <laughs> and that's the thing. I, I don't know why people would much rather spend $40,000 on a pair of cables than mm-hmm. $1,000 to have their set their system set up right. Yeah. You know, when there's $200 fuses out there and people think they actually make a difference compared to hiring me or the guys from Soundings to set their speakers for $1,000 or less that would make a lifetime of change. It just, it, it boggles my mind. And it, like I said, it is, it's very frustrating, but it's the nature of the beast. It's just the way, um, like I said, the first, the difference between the way the general public listens to music versus audiophiles, and then mm-hmm. the different mindset of both of those groups in relation to 
their music systems. Now, I have a weird question for you. Do you, because a lot of people are concerned when it's, when the speaker's rear ported, front ported, or, you know, in the case of, I, have, I don't, oh, you can't see the boxes back here. I have a couple of Sonus Fobbers that mm-hmm. are, um, that are, have a stealth port on the bottom, uh, as opposed to, you know, an acoustic suspension setup or, you know, right. a sealed, sealed thing. Well, or what about a speaker by customers in Michigan? They have Martin Logan's. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah, the electrostats. Electrostatics that are, yeah. you know. Just totally over. So, <laughs> completely so what, different animal. What are yeah. your opinions about each of those uh, types of speakers? And, and for you, what's easier for you to work with? Well, you know what? I've, I've really never met a speaker that didn't receive a benefit from this process. Mm-hmm. They all react to and work with the room a little bit differently but Mm -hmm. the more you work on the specific set the more you can pick up the differences in how the speakers are reacting to the room and it's mainly in the bass but the bass frequencies also influence the tonal characteristics of the mid-range particularly in vocals. That's why this song is so good because it's so simply recorded that it reveals, you know, if there's a problem with the bass, then the female singer, Jennifer Warrens, is going to sound, she's either going to sound chesty or nasal or something. And so every speaker has its own idiosyncrasies, but the more you work with the speakers that, the person owns the more the the more you your ear kind of learns what's going on and and what placements and positioning changes will get the most out of that speaker now well do you feel that like a, a ported or rear ported speaker um plays different with the room or <clears throat> than than a sealed enclosure or a acoustic suspension yeah very much so yeah and- sure how do you feel? How do you feel that that that? Well, the speaker will either have to be less far into the room or further into the room, or the speakers will have to be further apart to make them sound clearer, or they'll have to sound be closer together than you'd think normal to make them sound warmer. Mm-hmm. Or you know, it's it just it's impossible to say which design it is going to sound a certain way. Mm-hmm. Plus, there's the also the variable of the room. Mm-hmm. The room is the is one of the biggest variables. You know, I I see, I see pictures of people's rooms on the virtual systems on AudioGon, and they're like a racquetball court. They they have a tiled floor, and mm-hmm. they have window shades, and they have nothing on the walls, and they have a great big hard edged coffee table in between them and the speakers. They don't have a chance. They mm-hmm. just, it, it just breaks my heart. You know, it drives, <laughs> it drives me crazy. And then on the other hand, you know, you've got other people that have a, a, a room that's so full of clutter that the speakers have no room to breathe. And mm-hmm. so there's no space for them to reveal the illusion of the soundstage. They're fighting the losing battle before they even get started. So, yeah. Well, I, I hope this helps, uh, the community realize that speaker placement is very important. 
I'm definitely going to be following this up with uh, a, a more in-depth video, but I wanted to okay. talk to one of the masters here, Bob Robbins, <laughs> that, that uh, has spent a lot of time and effort in into into really, really dedicating his life to to perfecting this art. So if you guys are investing into a, a serious sound system, having someone like Bob come out and uh, just adjust things to where you'll be able to enjoy your system a lot more. And, and like I said, in my experience, it is, there is a substantial difference when you hear a, a pair of speakers that haven't been master set in a pair of speakers that have. So without a doubt, you know, um, it's one, one comment that has to, that I do have to go against one thing you said, it really doesn't have to be a real high end system. One of my Correct. first clients here in Denver had a pair of $800 tower speakers driven by a 18 watt Chinese tube integrated. And he was, he's now one of my disciples, you know, okay. after I got done. So it doesn't have to be a high end system. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. Anything with speakers. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> as long as they're, as long as they're not surface mounted, or in-wall speakers, like for a theater. That doesn't work. They have to be able to be moved, mm -hmm. and the customer has to be willing to allow them to be moved probably further into the room than they already are. Okay. Yeah. Well, Bob, I want to thank you for your time, and I want to thank you for spending a little bit of your afternoon with me. Uh, I, obviously, we have all learned that this is a very important thing, and uh, I will put all the information for Bob's uh, website and services in the description below. So everybody can have a chance to at least check it out. Um, sure. Give it the benefit of the doubt and, 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 you know, take a chance and you, you it'll surprise you. I guarantee. Well, it. there's some pretty cool articles that are, that, uh, that I've written over the years that kind of give you an inkling of what's truly possible. It's, it's mm -hmm. pretty entertaining reading if you're, if you're into that kind of thing. <laughs> and I am into that kind of thing. So I will <laughs> check that out. All righty. Well, thank you, Bob, for joining me. Thank you all for joining us on Hi-Fi Hour. And we will see you all next time. Thanks a lot, Mike. Mucho apreciado. <laughs>